Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Another Color Abroad. I'm your host, Andrew Rodriguez. On this episode, you'll be hearing from Brian Charles, who is living in Abu Dhabi, which is the capital of the United Arab Emirates. And Brian, on this episode, speaks to us about blackness, his views on it in Abu Dhabi, as well as, quote unquote, living the American dream outside of America and his views on that. And he also speaks to us about overall Arab culture and the restrictions that are that are present in Abu Dhabi. And he compares that to American culture. And yeah, let's get right to it. This is A Living Color Abroad. Welcome, Brian, to the show. Brian, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. Thank you, man. Thank you. Much appreciated. I'm glad I could finally be a part of this. You know, living in um, the UAE, in Abu Dhabi, you have all these restrictions. So I I couldn't get on until, you know, I had to leave the country. So Yeah, that's crazy. Um, uh, Brian's in Sri Lanka right now. And just to give you guys some context, because again, I told you the hardest part about this show is getting people to speak live, right, due to, you know, time differences, time zones, um, is an 11-hour time difference. So right now here in Costa Rica, it is 5 o'clock p.m. What time is it over there, Brian? It is 4.34 (laughs) a.m. on Friday. (laughs) Happy Friday, man. Happy Friday. I'm not there yet. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> nah, yeah. So just uh, Brian's a trooper for uh, being up so so early to um, to do this interview. So all right, let's let's get it started, Brian. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, I am in my seventeenth year overall of teaching or counseling. Um, I'm a school counselor for grades eight and nine. It's a new position. Um, that, uh, my school in Abu Dhabi came up with in order to give more support to um, students in their first year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they threw on the eighth grade because they wanted me to have at least two years working with the students. So I'm the eighth and ninth grade counselor, once again, to work with students on those soft skills that um, you don't get in high school or really in school at all and building a rapport so that students have a strong foundation for what high school is going to be like. You got to make sure that you have that strong foundation because high school is four years. It's not the last two years. Exactly right. (laughs) That's a good point. So they, they basically created this position for you. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, this is my first time being an international school, but when I first started back in 2003, I was I, I left New York um, and because I couldn't find a job because no schools were hiring someone fresh out from a master's program mm-hmm. um, who didn't have that counseling experience. So I actually had to leave New York and ended up in... Illinois. I was working right outside of Chicago, not too far from Northwestern University, because once again, no school in New York would hire me. And 
a, a challenge in itself because as a black man, you find a field that there aren't too many of you in and you're yeah. almost given that promise of, oh, yeah, you're going to find a job because, you know, there's no black males. There are not even really white males in counseling. Mm-hmm. And, you, you you know, you do what you have to do. You, you play the game of American culture or American education and you, you get that degree, you get those advanced degrees and then only thing you come out with is debt. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I had to, you know, very early learn to jump out and, and be there and, and do something on your own away from your family. And I didn't know anybody when I moved to Chicago in 2003. You know mm. what I'm saying? I never even been to the Midwest at that I was a 23-year-old, like, oh, damn, I got to leave everybody and everything in order to get a job because the, the state, you know, New York loved it, but they wasn't trying to look out for a brother. <laughs> they wasn't trying <laughs> nah. to hire me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and just for those that don't know, so you're originally from New York, right? Yeah. What part of New York? Born in Brooklyn, you know. Represent? Um, lived <laughs> Williamsburg for a minute, and then my brother was born, and... You know, like any household, you know, always trying to find a better opportunity. So once my brother was born, three years after I was, we moved to Long Island. My parents, you know, living that uh, American dream, bought a house and, you know, in a community that was, wasn't was good. It was up and coming, mm. um, but they felt it was better than living in the city. So I was born in Lakeview, New York, exit uh, 17 or 18 off the um, southern state, you know, right on yeah. the border, mm-hmm. basically, of of Long Island and Queens. Mm-hmm. And that's where my formative years um, took place. You know, my brother and I, born and raised, like I said, in a nice little suburban community. You know, that dream of the picket white fence type deal. My mom's straight southern girl, you know, was spent most of her formative years in New York and Virginia. My dad, straight immigrant from Guyana, mm-hmm. South America, you know, came here when he was 17. He was hard headed like I was, you know, <laughs> got kicked out, you know, and yeah. became an electrician. My mom, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother put her through, you know, school. She went to a private school in Brooklyn and then went to Morgan State University. So, you know, we got that HBCU background. Yep, yep, yep. Which it always, you know, in a lot of ways sells the idea that, um, sells the idea that it's great to have your education, but it doesn't always prepare you in the way of dealing with whiteness in america mm. it's almost it, I, I, it's, it's a struggle i still formulate still trying to formulate in my mind the positives and negatives of hbcus because mm. you know being a counselor i gotta coach people on you know what that college experience is going to be yeah you know so do you do you educate them on yeah Learn your culture first, but black is not just black American. Black is Afro-Caribbean. It's Latino. It's it's black is so, so diverse. So the HBCU experience doesn't always prepare you for 
all the layers of blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah um, but but let's, let's get it. Let's understand. get a little bit into that, right? So you're you're growing up in New York, right, Long Island. You go to school. Yeah. And you go you go to HBCU, yep. correct? Correct. I went to Hampton University. Hampton University, Hampton, Virginia. Yeah. So like, and then, so what? When you went to Hampton University. What did when do you decide that you want to become like a counselor or be in education? When did you make that decision? So I knew I wanted to be in education um, from a very early age. I honestly knew I wanted to go to Hampton early because once again I was that hard-headed person who really never followed other people. So my mom went to Morgan, but my best male friend, my best female friend all went to Morgan, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I couldn't go to Morgan because I wasn't trying. <laughs> That's just <laughs> not the way I was going. There was no way in the world I could go to Morgan, you know? Yeah. So I remember my mom um, took me to like Battle of the Bands. It's a football game um, at the old Giant Stadium, you know what I'm saying? And I heard their band. It was in band, but I didn't really play in the band. I had an instrument in, instrument in my hand, but... I ain't really taking it seriously. It was like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, I knew I, I knew I wanted to be an educator, but I knew I didn't want to be a teacher because, no offense to y'all, um, <laughs> that shit just seemed monotonous to me. Like, I got five periods, and I got to go over the same, you know, subject for five periods a day, or I'll get lucky and I'll get two different subjects but still it's it's it was too repetitive i like the diversity of being a counselor because you know at one moment i could be working with the students when they get on my nerves i got the parents so that's different then i gotta work with the teachers i gotta work with administrators i work with all these different stakeholders and none of them really know what i'm doing other than providing those soft skills you know, preparing them for preparing students, you know, regardless if you black, white, brown, green, whatever, what the real world is going to show you. So I'm helping mold them for the for the future. It's a lot more than just math. It's a lot more than just science. It's a lot more of it's a little of everything. So it was diverse enough for me, you know. Maybe I have ADD. I don't know, but it gave me a, a different. It was always something new. It wasn't something that was monotonous. It was something that was forever changing. And each day provided me with what I really wanted. Plus, no no joke, my high school counselor, a white male, was never able to relate to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The only time I saw him or spoke to him is when I had to make my schedule. Because this was before a time when you had to make your classes on computers. You know, yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah. it on paper. And that was the only time I talked to him, you know, and he he really just never motivated me. And he really didn't help me with the college process because, you know, I'm I'm, I'm an athlete. I had schools calling me like NYU, which is known for sports. Yeah. So NYU was contacting me to run cross country there. And I was like, oh, hell no. There ain't no way in the world I'm staying in New York. (laughs) And knowing that NYU is a fucking tier one school, yeah, nobody yeah. said that to me. My grades <laughs> were like at best because I didn't really care. Yeah. So if I had a counselor who was really invested in me, it would have been like, yo, stupid. That would have been a free education at a tier one school. Wow. You could have been doing 
open it up big time and not have the speaking student loans that you still pay in fucking like 30 yeah. years later. Yeah. And isn't that crazy? I mean, let, let's speak to that, right? You just, you just mentioned something that an experience you had with somebody in high school, right? Your counselor couldn't relate to you, therefore they didn't help you in the way that they should have helped you, right? Obviously, if they if then you were an athlete and you have these offers, they should have helped you navigate that world, right? But they didn't. And now here you are. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're living the life that you want to live by living internationally and having a job that you want. But you, you're paying certain repercussions because you weren't aware of the opportunities that you had. Right? And, and this is like a theme that keeps coming along and is speaking to people. is like the lack of opportunities. And also, when you do have an opportunity, you don't know it's actually there. Right. And that's just a really good point to mention, right? To, and like you're in, you're in a field. That's why I like, I'm glad I'm speaking to you because, you know, I speak to mostly teachers I've, on this podcast. But you're a counselor. So you see a different, you see kids in a different light than most teachers see them. Because, you know, we deal with 20 to 30 kids at a time. You're dealing with one kid, two kids at a time, you know? So that's a, you, and developing those soft skills. And, you know, that's a huge part of just a development of any child and any student, right? In the right way is, Developing the whole child and and especially developing those soft skills. So to speak about um you, so you worked in outside of Chicago for how many years you worked there? I was in Chicago for six years, and I'll be straight up, that was the best school I could ever work at. Mm. Um, it was, it it was it was amazing, you know what I'm saying? Because what I viewed counseling of being is what they were looking for. So I landed in a perfect spot, you know. So even though I didn't get that job in New York um, that I was hoping for, I was able to really establish myself and, you know, got great accolades out there. Students who I worked with back then, you know, I'm closer to them than I am with, you know, some people who, and I, that I grew up with. Wow. Um, because you got I was a 23-year-old. I've been through college. I've been through, you know, a master's program. And I'm working with 17- and 18-year-olds. You know, I'm working with high school students who are trying to go through the process. So I was maybe five, six years older than the kids I was working with. Yeah. You know, so they were looking at me like the girls. They were, yo, that was trouble. They were getting <laughs> on me and shit. And the dudes, you That's know, why I teach elementary school. <laughs> Yeah, and the dudes, you know, they think it ain't big and bad. And stuff. I'm like, yo, my whole mentality going over there was crazy, you know. Yeah. It definitely prepared me for this international thing. Because, you know, you you a New Yorker, you know, you got that swag. You got a certain style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, and you where, go where, to where? Chicago, and they like, you don't wear this color because <laughs> these things are real out here. I'm like, fuck that, you I'm New York. <laughs> and, yo, that shit opened my eyes wide, yo. I was like, oh shit like yo hood is hood yeah hood is, even though hood is not new york hood like don't sleep so you work in chicago six years then from there where did you go from there you know i got i got lonely I ain't even going front got lonely out there you know they got women out there they got some beautiful women out there great food everything like that but you know my my grandmother my father's i passed away a lot of family stuff that i i, I missed you know, Labor Day, I'm West Indian, in Guyana, no doubt. So I never was able to stay for Labor Day because I had to be to work before, you know, Labor Day Carnival was popping off. So all yeah. those things I couldn't be there for. And I was, these are things that I look forward to as being a professional. But when school year started in like middle of 
August, there ain't no way in the world you getting back there, you know? So I missed out on a lot of things, and it started to wear on me. Um, so I was like, yo, forget this. I'm going to move back home. And this this way, life is fucking funny, yo. So I am established. I got my six years in. I'm like, yo, I'm good. I I made my mark as a counselor. I was recognized as nominee for um, counselor of the year for the whole state of Illinois. You know? Wow. So I, I made my name there, you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking to come home now. I'm putting my name out there for different jobs and that and the other. And my alma mater, the school that helped raise me. You know, this was like my dream job. Like, I could come in there and be a counselor there. So, thinking everything is good, boom, boom, boom. Come back, they hear and hawing about, you know, the contract, whatever. Shit fell through, son. Wow. I left everything that I knew, everything that I established, you know. And that shit knocked me on my ass for real. I was out of work for a whole year. I was subbing. Wow. I got a fucking master's and I'm subbing. Damn. I'm, I had my own apartment, son. Like, I had a condo on the fucking lake in Chicago. Some old George Jefferson shit. And I had to <laughs> move back home to my mother. That's, that's wild. That's wild. Yo, that was like the lowest point. I remember just sitting at home in my old bedroom at my mother's house. Just crying plenty of days. And just being alone. Cause my, mom had, my mom was working. My brother was in college at that time. You know, my dad's working. He, they all like, yeah, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like, nah, it's not okay. Like, everything you're taught is do do the time. You know, do the time. Go to school. I did that. I had a job, and to not have a job. So I, I understand all those people who you know have these dreams, and people just. The shit just doesn't line up. It doesn't happen the way that you imagined it to happen. So I, I get that, you know. And like I said, it really helped me as a counselor because everything that I've gone through has made it real. You know what I'm saying? Word, word, word. No, I think, I mean, yeah, I can't even imagine going through that. Right? Like you, you already left your home, go to Chicago. They're like, I'm going back home, got this set up, and then boom, no job. Like that has, like you said, it has to... Kill your morale, kill your confidence, kill everything. But also, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, like, for those that are listening, I, I met Brian in San Francisco at the job fair where I met others I've interviewed. And he told me something. I, I mentioned this when I in my episode where I mentioned my story about, like, making a decision that's right for you, right? And I, I want to segue with this because <laughs> we're going to get to, obviously, where you are right now in Abu Dhabi. But Brian told me he I was, you know, on the fence about, you know, moving abroad. I'm like, damn, because I thought about my family, right? You're talking about family right now. That's what was weighing on my mind, if you remember the conversation, right? Like, yo, my mom's, like my pops, yeah, like they're getting older. Like, and then you were like, <laughs> you do you remember what you told me? I think it was something like, um, who you living for? You know, they they ain't always gonna be around. You gotta do stuff that's gonna make you happy. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, exactly that. You're like, are you gonna, you're like, not to be morbid, but are you gonna start living when they're dead? I'm like, the fuck. <laughs> but that was real advice, yeah. and that, that and that I'm not I'm not I'm not even saying that because you're like you're all with me. Like that shit stayed with me. 
Like that's, that, that shit stayed with me when I was on that flight back to New York. I'm like, damn, what Brian said is, is like, it's real. Like, I can't wait till the dead to start living life because I'm going I'm to regret not doing something that I want to do. So that definitely, I appreciate your sage advice on that. But um, yeah, so let's go, let's go now to, to this job fair. So what made you go out to San Francisco? What made that happen? So after, you know, like I was saying, I was in um, New York. I was out of work for a year. And then I finally landed a job. Um, at, I'm a hate on school right now. It's um, <laughs> Glenn Cove. You know, if anybody uh, listen to Ashanti's music, a uh, high school that she graduated from, the town where she's from. It's a white neighborhood. Um, it's in. It's tucked away. You know, there's a black community there, but it's run by special people. Um, and you know, I'm bringing my, my style of counseling, working with the student, but I was respected. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So was there for one year, and then ended up on the other end. At Uniondale High School, I'm sure a lot of y'all hear about Uniondale. It's um, a very affluent black um, school district in Long Island. And just dealing with a lot of things that I never dealt with. You know what I'm saying? Like hating amongst your own people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to just backtrack a little. Like mm. I said, I was... Raised in Long Island. I never, uh, it wasn't until my senior year of high school, I'm on the soccer field and I'm playing playing against this team, um, Sawanica, um, which is another school in um, Long Island, close to the Elmont area. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever was called nigger by a mm. white person. So this is 1997, October 16th. That shit stuck with me. Like, Damn. I'll never, never forget that day. Wait, you know to, the, to the day First October? Time. Isn't today October 16th or the 17th? Um, yeah, that shit been a number of years. Today's wow. the um, 18th where I am. So yeah, this, yeah, this was like yeah, two days ago to the day. Wow, that's crazy. crazy. So I was a, a soccer player, you know, soccer and cross country is what what. I, sports were running or whatever and he called me a nigga and during the game during the game because he was the best offensive player and i was a county you know varsity um um stopper so i called a nigga at this time and it took me out of my game like even though the coach on the other team took out uh, off the field and wouldn't allow him to play anymore for that. Like, I was literally like, just alone on the field. Mm. So, fast forward, I'm trying to educate these white women on how to work with all their students. You know, the, the, there's a mentality that counselors, oh, they sit in their office, their feet up, and, you know, drink their coffee, and they only come out when there's a problem. And that's sometimes, you know, they're not really the go-getters like teachers. You know, teachers, mm-hmm. y'all have a class, y'all got that to do. Counselors, we it's the idea that we can hide in our offices, and sometimes we'll do shit. 
So I'm trying to build a department that has women who span from being 60 years old, you know, and white, to women being, you know, young parents of their own, you know, with young kids, and trying to educate all students based on their very small experience, you know, like, oh, I have a black friend, like, that don't make you diverse, that don't make you (laughs) a type of person who's going to be able to teach people who don't look like you. Exactly. You know, so I was just getting fed up and really wanted to find out if education outside of the United States is any different. Because, as you know, we still celebrating Christopher Columbus Day like, like he discovered America. Like, mm-hmm. no, we know this shit ain't true. Why do we still <laughs> teach this? Why is this still in our yeah, book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. It's you know, wild. Why does black history start with slavery? Like, fuck y'all. Like, stop. Nah. Why don't y'all really educate people on what's going on? So I, I was just fed up with a whole bunch of stuff. And then living in America, dude, come on, man. Yo, my anxiety started to get to the point where I couldn't, I ain't go out. I was, I'm living in my own house. I ain't want to go out. Really? And it's sad because you still see in the news now. Because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you play by the rules. You know, get a good education. Keep your nose clean. My father used to always say that. Keep your nose clean. You know, so I try to stay out of as much trouble as possible. But it, it was always like a burden. You know, being black at times, definitely a burden. And I was tired of feeling that. I mean, I remember driving to work. And just knowing when I hit that white neighborhood, I turned my music down. I I made sure I had both hands on the wheel because at any time for nothing other than being black, you could get pulled over. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and harassed. I know that listening to soca music coming to work isn't going to you know bode well with the white people who don't know nothing. Of, don't know a damn thing about soccer. Don't know a damn thing about my culture. Being yeah. the only black person in a in a school building that only recognizes Black History Month for the twenty eight days in February. If that, because you know you got to break in there, so that's a week off. You really ain't got twenty eight days. Exactly right. So Shit. It, was, it was always just a a challenge, and like I said, society is getting worse. Like it's crazy. I I, I just yeah. got to the point where I always want know what education was like outside the United States. Now's the time. So I was actually looking into the job fair with ISS um, for the December one in Atlanta. And I was like, nah, I ain't going to go. I'm going I'm to make this happen here, you know, in the school I'm with. And mind you, it wasn't bad. It was just that, once again, it was just this burden yeah. that I felt. I think one day, like, my, my colleagues or my department just got on my nerves and I was like, yo, fuck this. I'm going to fucking San Francisco. I, I paid for my ticket. You know, I, I my homegirl lived out there, so I asked her if I could stay with her and jumped on that train um, from Oakland and went to San Francisco for the job fair. And That's crazy. Had a few offers. Had an offer in Uruguay 
and I was like, okay, that's okay, not bad, you know. They got soccer, so I might have fun with that, <laughs> but it wasn't really, it wasn't really overly appealing. Um, I had another offer in Lebanon, and I was like, they were talking a good game and everything, but as soon as I asked them if there were any black people out there, they were like, no. I was like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I had I had a few job interviews out there and nothing really you know caught my eye so I actually did not leave with the job you know um, but when I got home I got an email because my my resume was still posted and lo and behold wait a minute um, so you had you had you had offers but you didn't consider any of the ones you had offers from no, I, I really it. didn't consider it. My heart wasn't in, in it. Got it. You know, I, I had to look at everything. Once again, Lebanon is, we're talking Beirut. Like, the only thing I knew of Beirut was, like, war. Word. <laughs> right. Uh. You know, um, and, and Uruguay, like I said, I, I'm still a metropolitan dude at the end of it, so... I'm cool with visiting places that are off the beaten trail, but I still need that metropolitan feel. I need to be able to have a lot more options on weekends. Like I said, I, I lived in I lived in New York. I lived in Illinois, Chicago. Like yeah. you go from New York, Chicago's nickname is the second city. Like yeah. yeah, it's a big city, you know, there's always was options. Then I moved to Maryland right outside of DC. Chocolate City, once again, mm-hmm. these are all places that have people of color, have options. I couldn't go to Uruguay. No, no, no offense. But, <laughs> but then you chose Abu so, Dhabi, so take us there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I took a weekend trip, you know, one of those many weekends you get or days off you get working in New York. Get Veterans Day, and my boy was like, yo, let's go to, let's go to Dubai. I was like, bet. Went to Dubai was like, okay, cool, never made it to Abu Dhabi. So when this job came up, I was like, okay, I know what Dubai is like. It's kind of like New York in a lot of ways, you know. It's kind of like, it's not like New York at all, actually. It's, <laughs> it's more, it's like New York in that it's it's well known, but it's more like Miami Beach and Las Vegas had a baby. The opulence in Dubai is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So... Like I said, after the job fair, I didn't lock anything down. Then got a call from ASD, which is a big school um, in Dubai. And then I, at the same time, I got an offer for, um, or I got interviewed for the job in Abu Dhabi. And I was like, I've already been to Dubai. Let me see what Abu Dhabi is is like. It's only like an hour and a half away. So if I really wanted to party or have a good time, I could always go to Dubai. So everything worked out. And it worked out. It's funny how it worked out because the principal, my current principal, Amy Green, chose my resume out of all the resumes that they got because she used to work in Maryland at the same school district I used to I was working at at the time. Seriously? So, seriously, wow. she had that connection. And it gets even deeper. One of the other counselors in the high school used to work at the same exact school I used to work at in Illinois. <sighs> like, when the year I left is the year he came in. 
So wow. now I have this familiarity with two people who I don't know, but they know the schools that I've worked in. You know what I'm saying? That's and crazy. they've spoken to people who who know me because of the relationships that I built in these two different counties in these two different states. So I was like, oh hell yes. This is this is a sign. This is it's mm-hmm. coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 wow. You know? Now I'm been in um Abu Dhabi for a little over two months now. Um, right now, like you started, I'm in Sri Lanka because we get a fall break. So we don't celebrate Christopher Columbus, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but we do get every seven weeks. We go seven weeks hard and then we get a week off. So That's dope. This, this is the seventh week. So we've been off. My colleagues are all over the world some are just staying in Abu Dhabi but I chose to go to Sri Lanka um because it was rainy season in Thailand <laughs> <laughs> That's so, yeah really I'm amazing. here enjoying the culture and um I really have a great appreciation for my job. I love my job what I can say is that education in the states is not that much different here um that has been unfortunate so, you know, everybody says kids will be kids. Well, teachers will be teachers. Mm. The teachers are, even though a majority of them are international, they're still coming with that privilege. And I, and I call it privilege. I'm not even going to call it whiteness. I'm going to just call it privilege. Mm-hmm. Where they don't know how to deal with people who are different. Um, so the same way that black males are treated in the United States are the same way that Emiratis males are treated in the UAE or at least in Abu Dhabi. I'll speak to only what I, what I know for sure. Um, and and they it's crazy. It's crazy because they use the same vocabulary. Like it follows them. And it's even though it's a different culture, like Emiratis are different than black males Mm -hmm. but when you have teachers saying um that's just the way they are like they like what the fuck like who who are you talking about the same you know the same key words that you hear in the united states wow are the same words that they use to describe people who are different and abu dhabi or the uae is mainly expats you know what i'm saying so they the Emirati kids or the the young men of Arab background. So we talking, we got kids from Saudi. We have kids from Qatar. We have kids who um, are Muslim. We have kids who are not Muslim. Um, but we have that whole Gulf region, kids from all over. And then you have kids who whose parents are working for big companies or their parents are in military so that they're moving all the time. It's a very transient population for all. But you would think in a country that is different than the United States, you would have more Emiratis. We only have like 2% of two? the student population is two. Wow. <laughs> actually people from the United Arab Emirates. That's insane. And the teachers, the teachers are mainly from Canada and the United States. And are they mostly so, white? Once again, oh yeah. So the <laughs> only division that has most of the black 
or yeah, because there's no Latinos. Yeah. Actually, there's one. Is elementary. Elementary education. That's where all the black women are. That's where my my guy is down there. He he's a black male um, from the south. Um, but yeah, other than that, we have some, but they're kind of just. It's kind of like a circuit. And what I mean by that is most of the teachers in the school are either from the United States or from um, Canada, as I stated. Mm-hmm. Abu, Abu Dhabi is kind of like it's working abroad light, like, mm. you know, or like Coke Zero. Like it's Coca-Cola, but it's not. Got so it. it's not much different from the United States. It's like the United States light. Because it's not difficult to find what you want there that you can find in the United States. We got your Pizza Huts. We got your, you know, we pretty much have everything that you can find in the United States. So it's not really that difficult. And most, even though Arabic is the native tongue, you don't have to know a lick of Arabic to be there, like, at all. Because there are seven emirates that make up the UAE. Two of them are where people really reside you know so even when it comes to the customs of it being an islamic country like the only major difference that i've seen is that one when the the anthem plays every morning like that's how you know school starts so Mm. like eight o'clock they play the anthem throughout the um whole entire campus and you can't you, you got to stand up and you can't talk you know what i'm saying so every student knows that those are the rules got it and i'll i'll speak to more about how comfy it is in a second um but you have this comfy place where it's safe you know like i've seen a, a police officer once like in 2 wow. months i've wow. only seen a police officer once <laughs> i've only heard a siren which I would hear numerous times out a day living in the United States. I've heard a siren once, and that was an ambulance. I've not even seen what a fire truck looks like out here. <laughs> there's, like, no, straight up. there's no fires in Abu Dhabi. You didn't know that? <laughs> I, clearly, there's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, we had to go through culture classes, all the new hires. The main thing they were talking about was if you get your driver's license know that there are cameras everywhere. Oh, my God. And they were, it's also a dry country. So it was like, yo, the only way that you could get alcohol is if you are at a hotel. And if you're not at a hotel, they're not supposed to sell it to you. And you have to apply for a liquor license. I was like, a liquor's license? A person? <laughs> yes. Each person, you have to have, it's a special ID card. Oh. In order for you to buy liquor in the country, because it's a dry country, it's a, it's illegal, and it's against um, Islam to drink. Yeah, yeah. So, so these are the major things that they that they tell you when you move in over to the country. They have this thing called I, it, it'd be similar to our driver's license, but it's not a driver's license. It's more like a a citizen card. Okay, it's called a Emirate ID. And you can't do anything without that Emirate ID. Like you can't get cable, you can't you can't pay a bill, you can't have a phone without it that has a local number. 
and everything is tied to your phone number. Mm. So if I'm paying a bill, I need to have my phone number because that phone number is basically like your barcode if you like if you like an item. Wow. So anything you do is tied to your phone number. And it's just little things that are different. Like you couldn't get your bank card. You couldn't set up an account until you got your Emirate ID and a local phone number. Gotcha, gotcha. And the pins, back in the United States, your pin is usually like four digits. Here it's, um, it's six digits. So I had to fucking think of what the fuck, six numbers? I don't, there are no <laughs> six number combinations that I could, there's nothing in my life that has only six digits. I mean, your birthday. That would be your easy one. Yeah, I guess I could do that, but then everybody would figure that shit yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. Like, what was six digits? Oh, that's fool's birthday. That's true. But let's talk about right. So wait, do you have your liquor license? I do not. So, so I know that a lot of people... Um, and, and, you know, listening to your podcast, talk about that blue passport. Yeah. That shit is so real, yo. That that shit is so, so real. Because I'll put it to you like this. I can go in a liquor store in UAE and I can buy liquor. My students, mind you, the drinking age for students in the country is 21. My students can go buy liquor. What? Yes, they're not supposed to, yeah. but this goes to that this different lifestyle that I don't know about. It's almost underground because I'm new. But as I mentioned before, these kids are not broke. Yeah. Their parents have nice, comfy jobs. You know what I'm saying? So kids, there's really nothing to do for young kids. You know, there's not like... You can go to the mall, but how many times are you going to go to the mall? Yeah. Um, there's really just not things for them to do. So what they do is they'll ask their driver to buy them liquor, and that's how they get liquor. Their parents, because it's a very safe country, like these kids have credit card accounts, which is, I guess, kind of normal now, but they got unlimited resources also like kids will rent a boat and have like boat parties like you know how kids sometimes schools provide prom on a boat yeah. these kids are doing that on the weekend wow <laughs> the money is ridiculous so they have access to any and everything gotcha, gotcha. and the parents you know parents they're just naive they're naive to think that their kids won't get involved in stuff now, I've not seen any kids, you know, or heard any stories about any kids getting pregnant, but they still getting white boy wasted out here, <laughs> you know, and, and because we are all expats, it's not only what happens outside of the school, if they connect it to the school, then the school goes down, like our rating goes down. Mm. So I'm having a lot of, and you can't tell the authorities because once again, we're all expats. Yeah, yeah. So if the cops find out, then motherfuckers is being sent out the country. That's different. You know what I'm Word. saying? Yeah, that's crazy. That's you know, crazy. You know, so you, so you are, you are walking a very fine line and, and you're dealing with different cultures. So in America, that might not be 
that might not be cool. You know what I'm saying? Parents providing alcohol and stuff. But if you coming from Europe, like you drinking wine for dinner anyway, so what? Who cares if you if your child has a drink or two, and you provide them for other kids because you're like, yo, that's our culture. Yeah. So so now you got one group of parents who are like, no, y'all shouldn't be drinking, and you have another group of parents who are like, yo, I'm buy the liquor if y'all drink, yo, that's on you. But it's here, right, <laughs> and right. you can use my second house and have the party because <laughs> I don't want y'all making noise here. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That, so, that, that's definitely one thing I can relate to when it comes to like the money. Like I, I have because obviously where I taught in Brooklyn, the kids were mostly like some of the kids were living on the poverty line, some middle class, but nobody was rich, right? Nobody was nobody was rich. But here in the school is, is an American school and it's also private, and tuitions between fifteen and twenty k a year, right? And right. you can't you can't contemplate that, right? Like you can't contemplate money and privilege and like the the status that these kids have and due to their you know due to their family and but now let's go to this other part about it because you mentioned this you wrote a post on facebook that was very well written and i think it's something that again there's a reason why i had this podcast right and live in color abroad where it speaks to being a person of color in any country because it's just a different experience right compared to our, our white counterparts so what is your blackness like how do you view your back your blackness in abu dhabi Yo, I'm not black in Abu Dhabi. It's funny. What are you? I'm not black. What are you? I'm American. Mm. Yo, American. I've never been American so much in my life. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yo, I, I feel, yo, it, it's hilarious, yo. It's hilarious because no one looks at me like I'm black. The first thing that comes out their mouth is, oh, you American. I'm like, American? <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess I am American. Like I've had to, I've had to retrain my thought because you're not looked at as a black person. You're not looked at as a white person. You, in the UAE, you are American. Even here in Sri Lanka, like I've been here for seven days, right? Mm -hmm. So I have my 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 friend, a local, um, has been driving me around everywhere. It's, so I was like, yo, let me let me drive. So we drive in and Sri Lanka is a, a, a beautiful country. I would definitely recommend anybody um, take a trip out here. Um, but I didn't I don't know the history here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a very it's a socialist country. Number one. Um, so the police. They carry a little pistol or whatever, but they don't have handcuffs. They don't have a vest. It's, it's just so different. I'll, I can talk about that a little bit later. But anyway, I'm driving a car. Now, there are different checkpoints. And, and he was like, oh, don't worry. You ain't, there's no more checkpoints. Of course, it was another checkpoint. So I'm driving. <laughs> we get pulled over. They ask to see everything. And mind you, we got pulled over like two or three times already, which is just they pick and choose. Got it's it. based on some of the history because um, it was recently a civil war that really just ended in 2008. I didn't know that shit. Yeah. Um, so get pulled over. The guy starts talking to me and um, I forgot the name of the language here, but it ain't English. And I, he didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what he was saying. So my driver <laughs> was like, oh, here's my information. He was like, oh, American. I was like, how the fuck did you know that? I didn't show you my past. I didn't show you nothing. <laughs> I didn't show him anything. And he was like, all right. 
have a good day and let us go. Yo, if I was in the United States of America, son, I would have been shot 17 times. Basically. Easily wow. shot 17 times. So what Just was, for not having my license. Word, word, and word, I ain't have no license in another country. They said, go on. That's crazy. Blue passport. That's crazy. Like, it has to fuck with your mind. It has to fuck with your mind, right? Man, it's it's almost like I made it. Like, I'm finally... All the work that I've put in, I'm being recognized for who I am and what I do in some ways. And that American, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like, I can finally say that I'm living that. Wow. And it's all because of that passport. It's, it's all because of that ideology of, you know, happiness, pursuit, uh, you know, pursuit of happiness, life and liberty. Mm-hmm. Because of that idea. It doesn't exist in the country that I was born and raised in. Yeah. But outside, people wow. live in... People believe that shit so strong, yo. That's and, Everybody's and, like, yeah. oh, tell me about America. Tell me about America. Yeah. I'm like, it's a shit show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, Dude, it's, it's so crazy. Why do you want to go there? Like, it's so crazy. It, but, but it speaks to the, to the pool, right? That America has created and is, you know, like, we think of culture, right? I spoke to a friend about them. Like, we think of culture. What do you think of? You think of America. You don't think of any other place in the world. Any culture that any place consumes, besides obviously we're talking about like China or something, is American culture. Or if they have their own version of it, it's based on American concept, right? Like, it's just, it's really insane how America has created this system where like everyone adores America and for what it stands for. But yet, we ourselves don't really see that in its full effect. But we see it when we go abroad. It fucks with me too in certain aspects because I'm Latino in a Latin country. But here is like, all right, nah, we get it. Expats, you know, they live in they live in large out here. So it's really bananas, dude. And the median salary in Costa Rica, bro, is eight hundred dollars a month. A month is the median salary. So I'm considered upper middle class here, bro. It's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. crazy to, to feel this privilege when I never really felt. I felt privilege in their different aspects, but not in this overall scheme of like of uh my whether it be my profession, whether it be you know uh, the money I make, and uh, you know the fact that I'm American. Like you said, these now now you feel those privileges. Like you feel the privilege of being American, which you never felt before, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and. That shit is so, so strong, you know, outside of the United States. And what, you know, the way that I put in perspective, you know, in the United States, we talk about um, immigrants and we talk about Mexicans in this certain way. But in a lot of ways, I see myself as that immigrant leaving the United States Mm. because I wanted something better. I wanted to be able to raise a, a family at some point all the things that you know we hear um immigrants wanting to come to the united states for i as an american have to leave the united states to get That's and crazy. a lot of the rhetoric that you hear in the united states you don't hear that here so i had to i was sharing with people like yeah this african-american woman got shot and killed in her own house and my driver was like yo he was you could see his mind like, how could this happen? Well, what did she do? And I was like, yeah. she did nothing. She didn't do nothing. 
and I'm showing, you know, yeah. I'm going through CNN and I'm showing him these clips and stuff. He's like, this is wrong. This is wrong. I was like, yeah, this is the America. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, yeah. this is why I left that country. Yeah. You know, so I totally understand and look at the perspective of immigration as totally different because I'm that person. I had to leave my country in order to live a better life for myself and whoever comes and shares this with me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm up here really talking to my friends because I'm, you know, I was, I had anxiety before, you know, yeah. but looking at the news and what's going on at home, I'm trying to get everybody the fuck out of there, yo. <laughs> nah, it's really, yeah, I mean, uh, we, could, we could talk for hours about that. I mean, because again, but you know what's crazy about it? And, and this is where it's like, this is the sad part that I, that I have to say for myself. I'm going to speak for myself about this. Like, I hear that on the news, right? Why am I not surprised? Like, why am, why am I so desensitized to, to violence and senseless violence that I'm not, I'm like, oh, like, all right, that makes sense. You know, like in, Amer- like, in America, this makes sense. That an unarmed right. person will get killed at any place. Any black, per- any black and brown body could get killed anywhere, no matter. Doesn't matter where you at. It can happen to you. And but now that's become the norm. Where again, like you say, you speak to anybody and any they're like, wait a minute, how can that how is that even feasible? How can that even be a thing that could pop? Why, why, how can somebody murder 30 people and there's still no laws in place? You know, we like, dude, there's no army in Costa Rica. The the, the Costa, Costa Rica has no army, which is kind of hilarious. Like they have this, it's, it's like its own pockets of violence. Dude, I, by the way, I, nobody knows this. I don't think that I've spoken to. I live next to the maximum security prison of Costa Rica, which is, <laughs> which is kind of yeah, it's kind of bananas. But dude, next to this prison is this this freaking complex of condos, like upper like why would people live here if they didn't feel safe, right? So like I'm in the I'm next to the maximum security of Costa Rica, but people living right next to it, like it's nothing. It's funny you say that because right across the street from the school is a U.S. embassy and there are guards who walk around with, you know, weaponry. I'm talking like they got they got gun guns, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, this could never be this way in the United States because shit, if there if we don't even go over like drills, we had a we had one fire drill. And that was it. Back in the United States, I was having shelter in place. I was having, you know, there's a problem in the community. So we got a, we got lockdown drills. We got all these fucking Word. drills. Yo, and even thinking about what police officers carry. Like, police officer here, once again, all they got is a gun. And this for Sri Lanka and for freaking the UAE. They got a gun. I ain't see no walkie-talkies, nothing like that. But you go back in the United States, them motherfuckers got a vest, got a gun, got a taser, got a baton, and a walkie-talkie, and they up there got just everything under the sun. Yeah. Like, who are y'all going up against, yo? <laughs> I know, right? It's just their mere presence makes it seem like they're, like, yeah, like, are you really protecting me or, what, or what's happening here? Nah, it's definitely real. But now let's go to the other side of it, right? Because you mentioned the restrictions, like the fact that you could, we couldn't even have this interview because, you know, Abu Dhabi is restricted. So let's talk about that part of Abu Dhabi, if you could, if you don't mind talking about it. What part of it, about yeah. it has been, has been tough for you to adjust when it comes to, like, different restrictions and things like that? Honestly, 
it it hasn't been tough at all. You know what I'm saying? I, I like the idea that there are restrictions because that's one thing about America. Everybody feels and thinks they have the right to do whatever, whatever the fuck they want. And that's why there's so much problems now because people from America don't know what no means. Unless you're black or brown. Exactly, right. Exactly. Let's specify. (laughs) Yeah. You come here and they say, okay, you can't have, like, FaceTime don't work. Um, Freaking um, anything that has, like, real-time face interaction, it's not going to happen. It's just locked down. Wow. But there are, there's plenty of people, like, who have Skype. And the government knows about it, but they don't, like, they haven't cracked down on it. And I think that also ties into some of the problems that we're having at school. Because these kids are like, yo, we gonna drink, we gonna, you know, smoke weed, whatever. And until somebody gets caught or made a victim of, we just gonna keep on doing it. Because they not gonna do anything. Yeah. Okay, y'all keep thinking that. Because I've already heard stories about last year. There are certain bridges in the UAE and certain places that you can't take pictures. Like there's a big old picture of a camera and it's got that red bar through it. You can't take (laughs) pictures. Okay. And last year, one of um, our employees' kids was graduating. So family came in. They took a picture on the bridge. They got a phone call the next day saying, uh, we want you to come down to the station. They missed the graduation. Oh my God! Straight detained. Oh you know what I'm saying? Oh my God! You know, so somebody's gonna be made a victim. Somebody's gonna be, you know, they're gonna put they, they're gonna have a picture of something or even defamation. Like kids are kids. They're gonna say things, but if they, if the parent decides that they actually want to go to the authority, ooh. Either somebody's gonna be detained or somebody's gonna be ex um, gonna be kicked out the country. Like that shit is like real. You can't say anything bad about the government of the UAE. You can't say anything bad about another person um, because if you like post something and they snap screenshot, like that's the way kids um, really get each other. They're like, oh, I took a screenshot of what you said. Like took a screenshot. What the fuck does that mean? Like, yeah, I can show the police and the police will call you up and have you come to the station and you're going to have a fine or you're going to have to you're going to be deported. Like they don't play with that. And like I said, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I ain't talking shit about nobody (laughs) as a a child. Yeah. See, the other thing, I think of a place like Abu Dhabi. And this is another reason why I like listening to like people that are like doing this, like, you know, like you, like Margot. Like when I heard you guys going to Abu Dhabi, Qatar. I'm like, I, I don't know shit about any of those places. <laughs> and here's a black woman and a black man going there. And to me, I view that as like living abroad, difficulty 3.0 versus for me going to Costa Rica, you know, a Latin American country, speak the language like 1.0. But yeah, here you are talking about the privilege of that blue passport, like you just said, where your blackness is not a detriment to who you are. You have the exact opposite where your Americanness is allowing you privileges that you never thought were awarded to you, right back home. Yeah. So it's really crazy how, like, like again, I'm, I'm living abroad as well, but like, I think people need to know that, right? Like, yo, like, because people are like, oh shit, the Middle East, like, I can't. 
No, ain't, ain't nobody living out here or whatever the the United you know the UAE. But it's like nah, like you could, and you could live well, and you could be treated decently, <laughs> and not be treated differently because of the, you know the color of your skin, you know, and and, and it's like it, it's just it's just bananas to just think about that 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 kind of life exists outside of the bubble that is America and our own biases of you know what we get from the media and you know the Western media. And all that other shit, but um, I just think that's really, that's just really cool to to hear about. Yeah, and and what I appreciate about the people is they don't bring that drama, you know. Like there's a there's a there's a few terms in Arabic, so that you'll hear people say a lot. There's hamdala, which is oh shit, now I'm I'm gonna forget. What the hell. <laughs> oh, it means I'm good. Got it. So everything is hamdala, hamdala. And there, so I was, I was asking a student and asking an Arabic teacher, I was like, all right, so what happens when I'm not good? It was like, it don't matter. You can only answer with alhamdulillah. I was like, well, that ain't the truth. It was like, don't worry about it. I was like, well, that don't make sense. So they, you know, there is no space for you not doing well. You just gonna have to figure it out. And the other word, the other word is inshallah. Oh yeah, that one. Inshallah would... means. Um, God willing or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there is no in between. Like both of those terms is like, yo, what will be, what will be. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah yo, dude, we hit on mad shit, yo. We this has been an hour and forty minute conversation. <laughs> I told you I had a lot to say. <laughs>you enjoyed that episode with brian um i had a great time talking to him as you heard it was an hour and 40 minute conversation that i had to cut down and that's the unfortunate part honestly when i do this podcast is the fact that i love doing it but there's so much good stuff so much good content and i want to leave it all in there but i also you know i I believe in keeping things concise as well and at max i want to keep every episode to an hour like i don't want to go above that you know and for you, I'm doing it for you mostly, for you listeners out there, <laughs> to keep it at you know at a you know reasonable reasonable time limit. But yeah, no, that was great talking to him. And again, you keep hearing the same theme, right? If you've been listening to the past episodes, you you I'm sure come across this theme now. This uh, American passport thing, this privilege when it comes to holding that blue American passport. And I would I would include the Canadian one in there as well. But you know, particularly what I know, obviously the American one. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just really crazy to think that uh, these people of color have this privilege now that they don't receive back in the States, but they're receiving it in somewhere else around the world because America has that pull, whether rightly or wrongly, they, they have that pull where that America, those American values or like, you know, the the power that America has, where it has to be respected around the world. And in turn, you're respected because of that passport that you hold. And honestly, certain people know that they can't really fuck with you <laughs> because of that passport. So, um, yeah. Yeah, next week, um, I will, I don't know who I'll be having. This will be the first time in a while where I actually don't know who I'll be having on uh, next time. But that's the fun part of it. To find out, you know, all the connections that I'm having and hopefully find somebody good for you to listen to. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. This is In Living Color Abroad. Peace.